Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, formerly the Lend Academy Podcast, episode number 294. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lend at FinTech. Today's episode is brought to you by Lended Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. Lended's flagship event is happening online this year on April 27 to 29, featuring many of the biggest names in fintech. We'll have the CEOs of Afterpay, Figure, Brex, Varro, Dave, Finicity, just to name a few, as well as many leaders from traditional finance. Lended's 2020 event was also held online, with many people saying it was the best virtual event they'd ever attended. Lendit is setting the bar even higher in 2021. So join the fintech community at Lendit Fintech USA, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Sign up today at lendit.com slash USA. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Rhett Roberts. He is the CEO and co-founder of Loan Pro. Now, Loan Pro is an interesting company. They are a software company making loan management uh, software. And we get into the, in the details of what they do in, in some depth, obviously. But I wanted to get Red on the show because he has a unique perspective. And they're, they're part of this sort of new generation of software providers that are, you know, replacing some of the legacy systems. There's lots of advantages uh, for the lenders that use these kinds of systems, which we also talk about. We talk about the technology behind it. And, you know, the, the software is used through a variety of different verticals. So Rhett has this sort of unique perspective across the lending space. And he shares some of the verticals that are doing really well and what has really this year been like. And he also peers into his crystal ball to give us his perspective of where he sees this technology going. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Rhett. Yes, Peter. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure. So I like to get these things started by giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. So if you could maybe give us some of the career highlights before Loan Pro. Yeah, great. I appreciate that. Uh, so my education is in investment finance and I had a little bit about me personally. I'm married uh, for about 16 years now, four kids. I love anything to do with water sports and uh, kind of been an entrepreneurial uh, or serial entrepreneur throughout the years. And the, we have an interesting story on how we started Loan Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, out of school, I joined my two brothers and we started a car dealership. Bought and sold cars for a few years and we, we really enjoyed that. But uh, we saw an opportunity of getting into the lending space, uh, right. what's now known as a related finance company. And so we, we started doing that, got a few million dollars out in auto loans and we fell in love with the lending business. It's mm-hmm. just really, we, we liked many components about that. And so we started looking for software and we couldn't find anything. Everything was stuck in 1980. It was just frustrating to use a lot of the solutions out there. And so for our own lending company, we started building software. And that over the years, about 15 years now, has turned into what is now Loan Pro. Right. So you didn't have any software background when you decided to make that, that, that choice, right? We didn't. We really came at it from the shoes of, of the lender. So understanding all the pain points and we ran into those ourselves as in the shoes as the lender. And we kind of learned as we went, hired the right people over time. And we we first approached it as solving our own solution or right. a solution for our own problem as the as a lender. And uh, over time, we had people approach us and say, hey, 
that solves my problem too. Can I use that software? And we thought, oh, that might be a good idea. And so we really didn't set out to create software from the beginning, but instead we were solving the own problem we had as, as a lender ourselves. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So then maybe we should just uh, take a step back and, and explain exactly what your product offering as it, as it is today. Perfect. Yeah. So Loan Pro provides a loan servicing software. This is a little bit different than traditional, where a lot of platforms provide loan origination with a servicing component. Mm-hmm. We provide a full service loan servicing platform. So if you go look at the traditional systems, we essentially have decoupled the loan servicing from the loan servicing software. So you can still have a call center or a third party do the servicing on your behalf, but we provide that software or the platform by which they run on, giving the lender access and control to the data, visibility, and a, a modern tech stack to be engaged with. So if you look at the life cycle of a loan, we typically pick it up at the point of decision and then we're the system of record for everything else that happens through the life of that loan. And uh, we do have some clients who use us during the origination phase as well for workflow management and so forth. But primarily, we're providing a loan servicing software. We also have a product called Secure Payments that does tokenizing and saving of payment profiles under a PCI DSS level one AOC, as well as a standardization with integrations with third parties for payment processing. This can make the lender agnostic as to who they're using to process the payments. And so those are our two primary products that we provide supporting the loan lifecycle. Right, right. And then, so who, who was using it? You, like, obviously, you started in the auto industry, it sounds like, but sure. what, what types of lenders are, are using Loan Pro today? Yeah, yeah, great question. So we did start in the auto lending our, ourselves, and then people approached us and they said, essentially, after I fund a deal, I'm not giving an auto loan, but it looks very similar to your loan. Can I use your software as well? And so we thought, okay, that makes sense. We can do some configuration adjustments and it'll support those loans. And repeat that over a period of time, we've built a highly configurable software that goes cross vertical. This is a little bit unique because most of our competitors and the incumbents in the space, they build vertical specific software, everything from origination down a single vertical, and then they have some servicing bolted onto that. Uh, So we have five different verticals that we primarily operate in. Uh, The first is consumer. So a lot of online consumer lenders, these might be collateral-based or not. They might be debt consolidation, a variety of things. Uh, Second is business-to-business or or SMB lending. Third is going to be the small-dollar lending space. And fourth is point of sale or buy now, pay later. There's been a lot of activity in that recently. And fifth is auto. We do have lenders in other spaces like medical or student loans or pet care financing or insurance premiums or supply chain. The general thesis is everyone's a lender, but those are the the standard five verticals that we're operating in. Right. Okay. Okay. And maybe could you give us some some names of some of the companies that maybe the listeners might know that are using using Loan Pro today? Sure, you bet. So you can check out uh, many of our customers. We don't have published uh, for privacy reasons, but right. so you can check out some that we do have announced. For example, in the consumer space, uh, Marlette Funding out of Delaware, which uh, has a product called Best Egg. They'll mm-hmm. be one of our, our marquee customers in that space or in the business-to-business space. Companies like Fundbox that are doing a really sophisticated solution around uh, invoice financing and building an ecosystem there. And then we have over 600 lenders throughout the U.S. and Canada using wow. Loan Pro. And about a year and a half ago, we entered in what we focus on our, our enterprise space. These are lenders who have more than 50,000 to 100,000 active loans. 
and some of them get into the the you know hundreds of thousands plural, and uh, and we focus on those. Really, the problems are a little bit different when you're a lender who has 200 loans versus a lender who has you know 200,000 loans. There's a different uh, use case of dealing with solving for employee management and workflow management and installing their company policies. And so we do support both small lenders as well as quite large lenders in the platform. Right. And what, what about banks? Are they a target for you guys as well? Yeah, great question. So we do have some. There we, we have some or smaller banks like community banks, even some credit unions, as well as uh, uh, several SBA lenders. So, for example, we had about seven of the PPP lenders that uh, okay. use LoanPro to manage those loans. Uh, some of those were new entrants into the uh, SBA via the PPP program, and others were incumbents that have worked with that. So these, they might be collateral-based loans or not, but we do have some in the, in the traditional bank space as well. We've seen with COVID an acceleration of the uh, incumbents accepting new technologies, mm-hmm. and so we're seeing a lot of interest from the banking sector as well. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So I want to, I want to talk about the, the technology that you're using, the technology itself yeah. um, that's sort of behind what you're doing there. And, you know, I, I've read uh, you say this, I mean, it's important to have software built on your own API. So, so what do you mean by that? And why is it important? Yeah, great question. So we had the advantage of the timing that we launched our product is the early days of the cloud. And we selected AWS, Amazon Web Services. This is back 2008, 2009. And so they're not, they weren't quite then what they are today. And uh, so we're a little bit lucky in the timing of the selection there. But we've been built from day one on the cloud. And this is a really important distinction between taking a legacy platform and sort of retrofitting a dinosaur, if you will, uh, because it's really difficult to take an on-prem solution and to put it in the cloud. Many people are, are kind of shortcutting that by hosting it remotely. They'll take a on-prem solution, install it on a server, and put that in the cloud where you remote in. Ours is different. Ours is actually a full RESTful API service. And so what that means is to connect to the software, all you need to do is have a web browser and your credentials to authenticate. And this is going to be in the UI or via the API. And this gives a lot of solutions. This gives us a huge advantage on things like auto scaling, multiple regions, multiple availability zones, queuing systems, Lambda functions, and a lot of uh, technical implementation details that we've done via Amazon, which gives us a high resiliency. And uh, it also allows us to have our own security certification. So we hold a SOC 1 type 2. Uh, what that means, that's for an accounting, and type two is over 12-month periods. So we do that annually covering the whole year. We also hold a SOC 2 type 2, which is for security, and we hold a PCI certification level 1 AOC for uh, credit card or, or cardholder data as well. So those are some of the technical side of things. Now, why is that important to, uh, to have an API? Well, this gives a huge amount of opportunity to lenders to extend our application into things that make sense for them. So this might be plugging in their homegrown loan origination software into LoanPro and automate it all. Or this might be building out a website where they want to control the website themselves. We provide an out-of-the-box solution for for our mid-market customers, 
But maybe the lender decides, you know what, we want to have our own website that we can control and manage on our own because we have some other things we're doing. But we would like to have some functionality on that site to allow the customers to engage with their loans. And this has been historically a big problem for people because then they have to deal with an offline solution and reconciling data and multiple sources of truth and, right. and uh, those kind of situations. Within our system, they can just plug right into the API. And so they can be serving live data. You can move to omni-channel where customers can make payments online or see their balances or download a copy of their contract or any functionality you desire to expose to them. And that they will be live engaging with the system of record for updating. And uh, those are some examples of what you could use the API for. But there's a ton of options of extending those, the API. One thing that, to note that's really interesting of how we chose to do it is the user interface and the user experience that we've exposed to our customers and where kind of the dashboards they live in to operate is actually a wrapper on top of our own API. So we're the largest consumer of our own API. So basically everything we're showing in the user experience, a customer could use our API to replicate that functionality if desired. What we see is a vast majority of our clients, they will use the LoanPro UI and user experience for their agents, their employees. Mm. But exposed to their customers, they typically want to control that in their own website, and they'll build into our API for functionality, like retrieving a copy of the contract or posting a payment or scheduling an auto pay, those kinds of things. Right, right. So then when you're, when you're talking with lenders, I mean, obviously, the lenders, unless they're a brand new company, they've all got some sort of you know uh, system yeah. in place for loan servicing. But sure. what are the pain points that they that they have that, you know, because it's, it's obviously, it's a bit of work to, to convert to, you know, sure. loan, loan servicing software. So what are the pain points they have that make this, that, that make this worth it? Yeah, great question. So this is something we monitor really closely and identify any inflection points that might exist to, to cause somebody want to want to make a change. And we've identified a handful of them. One of the primary ones is a product deficiency. So many of, for our enterprise customers, Many of them are operating on homegrown platforms or legacy on-premises platforms uh, with third parties. And they run into a spot where they say, you know, we want to change what our financial product is a little bit. We want to adjust this or change that and tweak the, the metrics of, of how they're, what kind of financial products they're offering. And that requires that their a legacy system just doesn't support it. And so they start looking for other software and they find, oh, well, I could use Loan Pro not only for my new products, but they'll also support all of my legacy products as well. That's one of the advantages we have with the uh, highly configurable platform. And so the first one's going to be a product efficiency. One example of this, we had a client come over to us that they were wanting to build that example of a website and they wanted to, they had a requirement of real time. And so they wanted it when customers engaged with the website, they wanted it to update everything. So if somebody made a payment on the website in real time, then they wanted to, if the customer called back and went through a phone system, an IVR phone system, that would be feeding live data. And they wanted to plug in an automated loan origination system via the API as well. So those are some examples of the product efficiency. The second is going to be a single source of truth. It, there's a huge problem in the industry. Let's take the collection side of it. So LoanPro does all of the loan servicing components, which will be including the happy path of you push the money out there and hopefully the customer pays back on the due dates and, and everything goes well. But in the corner cases, right, what, what happens when they don't pay back? How do you do collections? In the uh, industry, how it's happened for decades 
is you would escalate those uh, those collection performances and you would say, hey, company, we'll do all the happy path collections and then we'll escalate it to another company to do if it doesn't go well. And if they're not able to perform, we escalate to a third company and so forth. And that causes a huge issue on, on source of truth because now the borrower is really confused. They've got three different people that reached out to them over the last 60 days. Who are they supposed to pay? And when they pay one of them, you got to recall it from the other one and it causes a problem for them. And so many of these lenders we're working with have multiple wrappers on top of other systems to try to reconcile. And this solves that problem entirely for them. And so that's such a pain point for them that uh, that the conversion of loan servicing software is certainly worth it for them. And the third big one is, uh, sorry to go kind of long on this one, but these are areas we, we track pretty close on, is lender retaining control. So historically, what would happen is you would give a loan and then you would hire a third-party company to do the servicing and then send you a report periodically. So, but the format of that report is you get like a database file or a CSE file from them once a week, once a month, and that's it. And you're like, okay, well, that's not great visibility about what's going on, as well as implementing my company policies or what, what would I do if I want to offer a payment plan? I've got to train this third-party company and what if their software doesn't support it? Those kinds of things. As well as what if you don't want to use that company anymore? They're holding all of your data. They're right. engaging with your customers. It's, it's a big pain for you. And so sitting in the seat of the lender ourselves, we thought, well, we don't want to cede that amount of control, but we don't necessarily want to do all of the servicing. So we felt we found a pretty good hybrid between the two where the lenders can uh, retain all of the control, ownership of the data, and then grant access if they choose to a third party to do the servicing using the LoanPro platform. And so it kind of is a hybrid of those two. And then there's always, you know, increasing efficiency, automation of lifecycle events, the implementation of the company brand. There's been a huge focus in the industry on user experience, in particular during the, the sourcing and the loan origination side. But we would argue you got to keep that up through the life of the engagement with that customer, right? Customer acquisition costs are reasonably high. If you already have a customer, you should keep them as a happy customer and invoking kind of your brand and the brand experience throughout all of the servicing so that they can be a repeat customer and tell their friends. And those are big reasons of why you'd want to to modernize and work with uh, LoanPro. So that means then, so what you're providing with your customers, is this this real time? So they can, like you talked about the once a week or once a month CSV file. Uh, which I know that's a 20th century model. Um, <laughs> but are you providing like real time so they can see right. exactly what the performance is to the minute? That's correct. Yeah. So everything's real time. And so they can call in, expand via the API or look at the UI or even database and access exactly what's happening on their loans and see the real-time performance of those. So there's no latency in the data, as well as they don't have to wait for a third party to send them a report. They have immediate access to the data. Right, right. And I imagine that would have been pretty important uh, at the early days of the pandemic, right? Because you've got... Obviously, things things have been pretty good economically for a long time before that. So it wasn't, it probably wasn't as urgent, but suddenly people needed to see exactly what was going on. So how did you react to that? I mean, did you have, do many of your clients ask you to to provide more, more data or different data? What was it like in those early days? 
Yeah, great question. So it's a really interesting time. The first focus for, you know, it, it's a, everyone is operating in a time they didn't quite know what to expect. And so the first focus of most of our customers was, all right, with our employees, how do we work from a distributed model? Well, with Loan Pro, that was a plug and play, right? Where they basically, they just need internet from home and, uh, and you can control permissions and access controls already within the system. And so they sent their call centers home and everybody was working without any, any downtime. So that was the initial focus. And then a lot of customers were repurposing as they really tightened up their, their underwriting. And many of them, depending on their vertical, turned off to a large extent, their new loans they were issuing. And they were repurposing those resources over to servicing. And then we had maybe, a, so this is probably March, April timeframe. And by May, most of our customers were contacting us saying, all right, what are we seeing? What, what trends are happening out there? What are people doing? Are we seeing this delinquency that we're all nervous about? Or we kind of noticing customers are still paying? What, what are we seeing in the industries? And it was super interesting to see vertical specific what was happening. Since April, the, uh, the point of sale financing or buy now pay later model is basically started with Black Friday numbers. And then they've taken off since then. They've been right. fantastic, right? Yeah. They've, they've been real well, which was a bit unexpected. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people were stuck at home and they were buying things and they had additional financing options that were convenient and embedded within the user experience. And they were trying those out and that, that seemed to work out really well. A lot of folks reached out and said, okay, we want to do some kind of a payment plan or payment forbearance and, and what are other people doing? Because they could all be a little different. Are you going to defer interest? Are you going to stop accruing interest? Are you going to skip a due date? Are you going to put it to the back of the loan? There's a million different ways to skin that cat of what the, the forbearance or payment plans might be. And so uh, LoanPro, we worked with all of our customers to work through what they want to have happen. And uh, this is a really important point that they get to choose their business policy and then within our configuration, implement that. So any kind of combination of skipping payments or changing due dates or uh, even dropping their payment amount down, the normal payment's 250 a month for three months, we're gonna give you a $50 payment mm -hmm. if you do the following things. And so the, the identifying of the qualifying population. And then there was a concern of the mix of the, the first one, right? You sent all your employees home and uh, they're, they're working and uh, still doing the CSR actions of collecting and stuff via the software, but you also now have a higher percentage of your customers calling you. And so you're trying to figure out, okay, well, I've, I've just spiked on the number of calls that are coming in, but I've sent everybody home. They're still working from home, but, I, but I'm now overworking them because we've got a lot higher call volume. So we worked with a variety of our customers on um, doing call management. And so live via the API, they could say, okay, we have a company policy that says, if your account qualifies based off the following parameters, then you qualify for a payment plan if you want to enroll with it. And so directly within the IVR phone system, it was calling our API and it would expand to say, okay, after they've authenticated, yes, your loan does or does not qualify for the company defined payment plan. Do you want to enroll for it? And they can do that without human interaction. Wow, that's great. So those cool kind of things, what you can do with the API and, and to streamline the user's experience. I, I can imagine that, that that was so important because I, I heard of some lenders that were getting tens of thousands of calls a day. 
That's right. But, uh, you know, the, the dream, the dream, those early days, because they, they just every, like suddenly their entire customer base wanted to call them and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and find out what was, what, what they could do. And uh, having that automated process is, is certainly, uh, certainly very, very handy. So I want to talk about uh, scale right now, because you, you, you've obviously, you've been around for a while, but can you maybe just step back and tell us what, what scale you're at as far as, you know, number of loans, you know, dollars under management users, that sort of thing. Sure. So uh, dollars under management, which on loans is, is the principal balance outstanding on the loan. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit over $15 billion outstanding today. We process about $470 million a month in payments. These are through both uh, bank cards and ACH transactions. Uh, a lot of those are done via auto pay. And so that when the loan is boarded or during some servicing activity, they schedule pull $100 every first year on the every Friday or whatever that the terms of the agreement are. We're currently managing of, of active loans, about 3.4 million loans with a little over 16,000 active users, meaning people who are actively in the software in the current month. So it gives us a little bit of scale and volume on that side. And we're, we're, we're growing pretty quickly. This is across about 600 plus uh, lenders through the U.S. and Canada. And uh, it, it includes mom and pop lenders all the way up to quite large lenders as well. Right. So then, we, given that, you, and you've talked about buy now, pay later, how that really exploded. We all we've all seen sure. that uh, in twenty twenty. But what about some of the other verticals, the uh, the consumer vertical, the auto vertical? I mean, no one yeah. was going to car dealerships for a while there. But what was yeah. what what has been the trajectory? You've got a great you've got a great view on 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 sort of a multiple verticals here. Can you just tell us some of the you know, how how they've been doing, particularly at the in in twenty twenty one. Yeah, great question. So in 2021, there's kind of this uh, feeling of the industry of opportunity and possibility. A lot of people are a little kind of beat down with uh, the conditions of 2020, but there's a lot of excitement that things happening in the current year. Uh, So in the auto industry, you're right. A lot of people weren't physically going to stores, but sales have rebounded quite strong, as well as there's quite this uh, new push in auto refinance. So credit unions, we're seeing that, but we're also seeing a few new entrants into the space in auto that are offering uh, more uh, efficiently priced loans on the refinance side. So you're seeing a few entrants into the the auto space. In the consumer space, it seems like there's a, a huge opportunity of not only the buy now, pay later, but also the any form of point of sale financing. So we have several customers who do, we do leases in the software as well. And so anything to streamline the user's experience, if that's inside of a virtual checkout or even a physical checkout, or some customers are using credit cards as the acquisition point where they're rolling in, uh, loans that are acquired via a swipe on a credit card into an installment loan. Mm-hmm. So there's some opportunities there. Um, we also see some really interesting trends happening with new entrants to the space. So lots of neobanks right. that uh, their road to profitability is via loans and traditional financial services. They've done a fantastic job of building a user base, providing a very efficient product and a great user experience, having high customer loyalty and NPS scores. And now they're turning that on and uh, further monetizing that and providing some opportunities, which may include a loan. Uh, and including things like uh, spotting them so they don't have an overdraft fee and uh, turn that into a couple of installment payments, do things that way, as well as there seems to be quite a bit of activity in the small business and the B2B type loans. 
These are companies that are factoring merchant services receivables, or they're factoring invoices, or they're just doing traditional financing to these businesses that have been kind of struggling. They've had some difficult times trying to figure out what to do in COVID. Many circumstances, they've been shut down. And so they're kind of getting under their feet again, or on their feet again. And this provides some opportunities that way. So vertical-wise, it has been very interesting. But the overall trend, because we kind of sit at the crossroads of what's happening on the performance of these loans, the overall trend is a near recovery and volume on loan count and dollar counts continue to grow, as well as there seems to be quite a bit of healing happening. The, uh, the small dollar lending space is anticipating a fair amount of regulation change. They're already making significant product adjustments to accommodate for that. So although there's those anticipated, even this last couple of weeks, we've seen regulation changes at some state levels. They, they're already kind of rolling with the punches and making adjustments as to the products they offer. Right, right. Yeah. And I'd, maybe we could, um, I'd love to sort of get your perspective on taking a, a little bit of a longer view because we, you know, this year, I mean, we've, we all know about the stimulus and, and, and there's a lot of optimism that right. you know, the, the, the viruses, everyone's going to be vaccinated soon and it's going to be, we're going to be able to get back to some semblance of normal. But when you look out sort of further, I mean, you're in the technology space, the technology just just seems to be changing so fast uh, these days. I'd love to get your view on on you know the the fintech lending space. Where do you see that evolving to, like three to five years down the road? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, it's a super exciting time to be in fintech. It, it's super fun. There's a lot of exciting things happening. Um, so to set the stage, we're sitting at the infrastructure level. So we're we're uh, providing the software to lenders who many are fintech lenders, as well as offer, offering other various democratized financial services to their, to their customers. So long-term we see that I've mentioned a few times our core thesis is everyone's a lender. And we see that accelerating where folks who maybe their day job and the, the core business operation line for their business isn't necessarily lending, but they can provide a user experience gap they can fill and these are, we're seeing everything from airlines providing financing on payroll. We're seeing uh, airlines that even about a decade ago created uh, credit unions, and they, they see this as an opportunity to work with their employees. We're seeing an equivalence of that happening across the board within different companies in any kind of ecosystem. So we have a lot of things happening in distributed models where there's remote workers, and there's all sorts of financial services that are being offered to them, ranging just in the fintech side to data lookup. So you've, you have been, and uh, Lendit's been involved in a lot of information out there related to best ways of getting accurate information to make decisions based off. Those might be underwriting on a loan, but they might be visibility to bank accounts. They might be visibility and access to payroll, um, a variety of tools that way. So I think that will continue to provide increased visibility and more of a holistic customer view. And if you will, working towards across a variety of APIs, a better view of what's going on so that we can provide better priced financial services to each one of the consumers out there. Instead of having pockets of separate databases, they'll start getting connected through these different products that are being offered out there. 
Mm-hmm. In addition, we see the financial services democratization that's happening. We see not only new entrants, but the incumbents really jumping on board with this. And they're, they're gobbling up new companies that have new ideas, but they're also really accepting and building on that. Technology is enabling them to do so. So it, it's really kind of everybody's moving towards that. The good news is it's a huge win for the actual consumers and for those that are using these financial services. Right. No, that's why I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, as you say, the lending space is just getting going. It's how it feels like to me because all the neobanks, I mean, as you said, anyone can become a lender these days. It's, right. uh, you yeah, know, the, the building blocks, the sort of embedded finance uh, that, that's in place today makes it makes it so much easier than even, you know, three or four years ago. So anyway, we're almost out of time, but before I go, uh, a couple more questions here, you know, Yes, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, this is, I should really look at uh, our loan servicing solutions. I mean, what's the, what's the best way? How do they get started with you guys? Yeah, great question. We can just reach out to our team. It's loanpro.io. And we've got a significant amount of materials online ranging from API documentation or uh, vendor or, or guide processes that you can go through and see how to use the software. We provide a full trial that you can get in, kick the tires, try it out, play with it, and we'll provide full demos for you. So just reach out to us at loanpro.io. And we'll obviously link to that in the in the show notes as well. Okay, so then last question, like what's what, what's on tap for this year for you guys? You know, we're just come, we're recording this on March 31st, the end of the first quarter. What, what are you looking at looking down the road for the next nine months? Yeah, great question. So this is an exciting year. Lots of things happening, product enhancements, additional features rolling out within our products as we're landing additional uh, enterprise customers in the, the verticals that had mentioned. We're uh, supporting them on their product launches, as well as we have a, a, a lot of not just feature sets of enhancing there, but supporting more holistically everything in the loan lifecycle. So a variety of announcements that will be made later this year with partnerships and channel partners with uh, different loan origination and servicing companies, as well as just overall making it easier for our customers to stand up a lending product. This includes capital partners and basically all of the seats at the table to provide this coveted lending as a service. We feel like we sit in a pretty good seat to help our customers be able to easily stand up a lending product. And so those are some of the efforts that we're doing on that side. Business-wise, we're continuing to grow at a fast clip and uh, both in our team and our products that we're offering. Right. Okay. Well, Red, it was great to, great to chat with you. Thanks so much for coming on the show and best of luck. Great. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate your time. Okay. See you. See ya. You know, we didn't talk that much about this uh, lending as a service embedded finance trend that we're seeing. I mean, I mean, we did touch on it towards the end there, but it's something that I see as as really a major shift in in the way loans will be offered. You know, certainly the fintech lenders will still be doing well, the banks will still be doing well, credit unions uh, and others, but they're going to be powering a lot of the the brands that are going to be offering offering loans. We're seeing it now with with buy now pay later where where people want to have different options at the point of sale and you can get you'll be able to have more and more not just retail brands i think in business to business we're going to see it where there'll be there'll be really loans kind of embedded into the you know the product itself
itself that you'll be able to, you know, you, you will be able to pay over time for, for just about anything. And obviously, when you're doing that, you need, you know, loan management systems to, to really help make sure that everyone is, uh, is paying on time and, and, and the, the lenders get their money back in, in a timely fashion. So going to be interesting to see how this, uh, how this develops. But, uh, you know, I think we have a future that is, that is very bright for the lending space. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by Lended Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. Lended's flagship event is happening online this year on April 27 to 29 featuring many of the biggest names in fintech. We will have the CEOs of Afterpay, Figure, Brex, Varro, Dave, Finicity, just to name a few, as well as many leaders from traditional finance. After a successful virtual event in 2020, Lendit is setting the bar even higher in 2021. So join the fintech community at Lendit Fintech USA, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Sign up today at lendit.com slash USA.